Are you interested in hearing how to talk about money with your family and kids? Well, stay tuned as we hear from the People Whisper. Like it or not, you, me, and everyone else, we all have a relationship with money. And for the most part, it's a complicated one. My name's Sean Maslick. Welcome to the Most Hated F-Word Podcast. As a certified financial planner, I want to take you on a journey as we throw out the technical finance books and shift our focus towards our minds, our money, and what matters most. If you're looking to improve your relationship with money and build true wealth, you're in the right spot. Finances does not need to be the most hated F word. On today's show, we are fortunate to have one of the pioneers, one of the creators of financial psychology, Dr. Ted Klontz. On today's episode, we talk about how essential proper communication is regarding our financial health, how our presence is so much more valuable than presence, and how as families, we can start to consciously create money systems that will provide us with healthy outcomes and how we can talk to our kids about money, when we should talk about money with our kids and so much more. I hope you enjoy. Welcome back to the Most Hated F Word podcast. Today, I am delighted to have Dr. Ted Klontz on the podcast, often referred as the people whisperer. I don't know if that's old or not. I found that on the internet. <laughs> Dr. Ted Klontz is an associate professor of practice and finan- at the, with the financial psychology uh, department at Crichton University with the Crichton Business School. He was a founding official of the Financial Therapy Association Dr. Klontz has an extensive international practice, including troubleshooting, strategic planning, advising, and consulting. He is, he is a pioneer of and has been working in the field of financial psychology for over two decades, authoring over, I believe now it's seven books, Correct. seven books with the new one, Money Mammoth, that just came out in December. Uh, Dr. Klontz has a wealth of knowledge in the field of financial psychology. Dr. Ted Klontz, welcome to the show. I appreciate you inviting me. Yeah, I, I first was introduced to your work, I think, four or five years ago. And as a traditionally trained financial planner, it was oddly enough foreign, this idea of financial psychology. But from the moment I read um, the, I think my first was Mind Over, Mind Over Money the book, um, I just started consuming book after book. And I just first, before we get into questions, just want to acknowledge the massive positive impact that yourself and Brad have had on this whole field. Um, and I think that, that we'll get into this right away is, I believe you guys essentially created it, if not certainly the pioneers. So why don't you just tell us how you came out of this idea of financial psychology two decades ago? Well, you know, it really came from an incident on a Thanksgiving day when a guy who had, he was going to make my life perfect by giving me all the money I wanted because I had helped his family. You know, he was a multi, multi, multi-millionaire. And he called at 2 o'clock on Thanksgiving afternoon saying, I don't want to do it. Hmm. <laughs> and then in that moment, that had been about the third time in my life that it's like, ah, no. And uh, it went away. And, and I said to my wife, you know, there's something wrong with my thinking around money. I have no idea what I'm talking about. But there's something wrong. And she said, you aren't mad at him? And I said, no, not really. Um, there's something, something I don't know about how money works that makes all this predictable. And I can't tell you why it, I suddenly turned on myself. Like, okay, I need to start thinking this thing through. 
And she said, what are you talking about? And I said, you know, I, I think I think poor. And she said, what's that mean? And I go, I have no idea. <laughs> it's just some, somehow uh, I think that money coming from out there is going to save me, rescue me, whatever it is. But I, I, I didn't even know what I was talking about. All I knew was that um, I was on this something. And I was also had for a few years, I've been trying to save money for retirement and never quite happened. Um, you know, I, I would write the check out at the beginning of the month and I own my own business. So I'd wait till the end of the month and then I'd write the next check out. It was about seven months in, I got seven checks and our accountant said, Hey, look, you have to actually send me the check to, to, to do this. Like, oh, okay. So I'd send them a couple and I, I didn't understand that part. I'm not stupid. I'm not crazy. Um, there's something going on that I didn't know about. And so really I began using the same tools that uh, I had been using my whole life. Like, okay, so why am I doing this? It's not really what I want to do or what I think I should do. Um, and I began applying the same principles. And, and early on, um, uh, I began to understand that um, there were things that I didn't know uh, about money, like a whole bunch of stuff. And I actually asked my son, Brad, to come to a workshop that I was going to. And um, uh, at one point in the workshop, I, they asked me to sort of tell my story. And while I'm telling my story, his wife is elbowing him in the side going, that's you. Like, you know, it's like I had passed down the very thing that I had, had lived by. And, and uh, so what ended up happening, Brad was just finishing up graduate school then, and he ended up writing his thesis on um, this whole thing around money, which turned into um, that very first book, Mind Over Money. And as he was, he's a researcher. I, I mean, I help with the research, but he does the writing and submitting to the various journals. And um, as he was writing that, he called me and he said, hey, dad, you're not going to believe this. And I said, what's that? And he said, well, there's never been another study done on the financial behavior of human beings, except for gamblers. And I go, okay. So he goes, no, dad, you don't understand. There's nothing to reference it to. No one's ever studied this, right? And he, I said, oh, okay. And he goes, dad, we're creating a new field, you know, like that, that never happens. Nobody creates a new field. And uh, it's only later that I realized the implication of that. Like nobody, nobody had ever in a, in a, any kind of empirical way actually studied things that they were telling people to do to change their financial behaviors. And it's like, wow, like, wow. You know? And so it's been like that. It's been like this um, rocket trip ever since because about seven or eight years ago, we'd been, we started to be able to actually look at the brain in action. So everything else beyond that, we couldn't really, you know, we, but now we see that when you use a credit card, the pleasure centers light up. And when you use cash, the pain centers light up. It's like, okay, all right? And so it just gets more and more rich as, as time goes on in terms of the implications. So it's really been fun. It was almost an accident. It really came out of my own misery going, there's something wrong with my thinking. And I didn't know that I could ever change it. I was just really curious about it. Mm. Yeah, that's just, it's so fascinating that nothing existed. And uh, I mean, certainly thankful that you had that, uh, maybe not all misery, but curiosity <laughs> to, to investigate 
And uh, a couple yeah. of things that I, I think are so interesting, as you're telling this, uh, I have a, a son and daughter, and I've often thought about this between you and Brad, is like, how neat is it that you guys, like a father-son, have been able to team up and really have this substantial impact um, in towards just our overall well-being, because I think that's the end goal, is to help our well-being, not just to make a whole bunch of people wealthy, it's yeah. to have that good relationship. Um, how, how has that journey been with your son and creating this as well, a Well, you know, um, I, I had a, a bit of a, a footprint in the world. I was in the what I call the secondary alcohol and drug treatment system, which means uh, I ran an organization that helped families of addicts, right? Mothers, the fathers, the spouses, the children of, we call it secondary recovery, where, where it's like, no, you weren't blown away by the tornado, but you were blown over by the tornado. And um, uh, so I, I had a bit of footprint in the national arena. And so, like, I think his first speech ever, public speech ever, was at a national conference with me. Mm-hmm. So that felt really good. To sort of the, the downside is the first study we ever published uh, was about something else, and they put my name on the study in the in the journal, <laughs> and you know, that was a you know, and uh, they did a retraction, but it was just like one line in the next buried in the next edition of it, right? Um, and the cool part about it um, is that he's been able to develop his own identity in this field, right? Mm-hmm. And part of that was helped because he lived in Hawaii and I lived in Tennessee, and uh, so you know that distance helped, and he was able actually to uh, and has developed his own niche right so although we share some of the we obviously we share actual dna we share a lot of this financial therapy stuff uh, financial behavioral therapy whatever they want to call it these days but but um because we sort of were exploring all these ideas too because i'm a trained psychologist he is too and he goes dad what about this and i go yeah and i'd say what about this and you know, today we're doing a presentation on uh, quantum mechanics and financial planning. And uh, it, it's like we're, we're both just really like, ah, you know, look at this. I wonder if yeah. we can apply it to that. And so it's been, a, it's been an incredible thing. And, hey, Dad, you want to write another book? And, you know, we're writing another book now oh, yeah. um, that's tentatively called The Irre- Irreverent Guide to Money. Um, oh. All the things people tell you they know about money and they don't really know. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. it, it, I, I call it the book I've always actually wanted to write. Yeah, yeah. It's like, uh, so we don't know who's going to buy it, but uh, it's probably going to be upsetting to to many people. I, I'll definitely buy it. All your guys' books, I just love. <laughs> right. But yeah, no, I just I I've always thought that was so fascinating as a father son. What a good connection and uh, yeah, and I, I did want to say it wasn't seamless, and um, it's the normal uh, as you say you have children. There's a normal needing and wanting to individuate. And um, the difficulty in doing that, um, some fathers can't quite let that happen because it's like, well, I want to be the shadow maker, not you. Mm -hmm. And um, for some reason, it's like, hey, the better for him, the better. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm not really attached very deeply to anything. We've had a few discussions here and there. And it's like, okay, so it's a part of him creating his own footprint. And, you know, uh, there's, you know, there's a left foot and a right foot. And, you know, like you can't, walk as well with just one foot mm-hmm. so uh you know we're really working well as a team uh, at this point in time yeah 
Well, I look forward to that next book, and uh, and this this has been a good one. <laughs> yeah, great. Uh, um, so you, you mentioned something about like the field uh, when you when you had this curiosity of why are you feeling this way around money, but it was an avoided topic, and even to this day we avoid money. I kind of want to switch switch our gears towards um, in, in the first. Um, course that I took with yourself at Creighton University was a family systems course. And this was really um, interesting for me because I had heard of systems thinking, but I mean, I have a business major, uh, CFP trained. Systems thinking wasn't really something that was integrated into our curriculums. After um, my wife's a nurse, so we've I, I more heard from systems thinking from her. And I, I really thought systems thinking was a, a great model, but I never applied it to finance until your course. So I thought it would be a great way to talk just to the audience, generally speaking, for those who don't know what the systems theory is, and, and how do you guys apply that to our family systems? And I, I bring it up out of that avoidance side, because I think from a, a family dynamic side, um, like we you know, certainly we avoid talking about money, but in the family particular, I also think it's heavily avoided. So I guess two-part question, what is systems thinking theory for those who don't know? And then how have you guys adopted that to our financial family lives? Yeah. So um, the thing that we were talking about, the resistance to this new concept in financial, in the financial world, Mm -hmm. financial therapy, financial psychology, behavioral implications, you know, like the resistance to that, that's, that's what a system normally does to any kind of new, uh, piece of information that comes in. There's a resistance because if you can imagine the system as a mobile, you know, like a wind chime mobile, and you add another piece, then everything has to adjust to rebalance. And systems resist rebalancing, right? So the financial planning world was a system, and the system was made up of seven pieces. And here comes an eighth one, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, uh, it's much easier to resist the eighth one than to accept it and rebalance because it changes everything. Right. Same thing's true with any family system, right? And in, at least in our culture, uh, the Western civilization culture, and it seems to be in any, in the developed world, for some reason, money is a taboo. So we have a system, we have a family system, And uh, we talk about A, B, C, D, and E. And for some reason, somebody decided a long time ago, F, which affects every one of these, we don't talk about. Mm -hmm. That's a taboo. And one of these might be sex, but we only talk a little bit about it. Mm -hmm. If we do the whole thing, then the whole system shifts. Mm -hmm. And uh, so money is, when we begin trying to bring money into the discussion, we're literally changing the system. And that mobile concept is the idea. And if we change one part of that system, if I become a little bit more aware of money, it's like lifting up on a piece of that mobile and the whole thing has to shift uh, to adjust itself. So, um, and it would be really interesting to understand one day who decided money will not be something that we talk about. Mm -hmm. Um, We talk about politics and actually in my profession as a, as a therapist and psychologist, um, we used to say this, now we've demonstrated that people would prefer to talk about the details of their sexual life much more than they would 
their finances. Um, I, one of the irreverent pieces is uh, I, I've, I'm, I suggest to people, you know, it's like people who deal with money. So go to your financial planner and say, before we engage, I'd like to know how much money you have. Mm-hmm. Tell me your net worth. Mm-hmm. Right? And then would you be able to document that? And, and you'll see that, you know, it's like yeah. uh, you're violating yeah. some kind of rule, right? You can't ask me that. <laughs> However, if we went to a personal trainer yeah. and we, we said, so tell me your story, you know, they, okay, let me tell you how I was this 99 pound weakling and turned into this, you know, 180 pound, you know, stud. And uh, it's like that one I'll tell you about, or tell me, dad, um, you seem to have a successful marriage. Tell me what that's okay. Let me tell you, right? But mm-hmm. money, you know, the the ironic part is um, we believe it's taboo, but the people who come into the system, like our children, they're learning mm-hmm. how money works, right? And uh, that's really dangerous because uh, the if I learn a lesson at age five about how money works and it's not the right message, it's going to affect the entire rest of my life. The, the, the first money message I learned was be good, be quiet, people will notice you, and then they'll reward you. That was my first experience with money. Right? And my grandfather was with me. And as we walk away from that scene where he, my grandfather was a farmer and he was a custom farmer, and he was making a deal with another farmer back in those days in southern Ohio. When farmers talked to each other, it was usually in the field. They would kneel down. And so as a five-year-old, I was as tall as they were. I'm, I'm just fascinated by watching this exchange, right? The guy stands up after they make the deal. He reaches in the pocket. He gives me a nickel. And he goes, you've been such a good boy. Puts it in my hand. It's like, oh my, you know, like I walk away going, that's how you get money, mm, <laughs> right? Yeah. Now, if my grandfather would have, if money would have been a topic, he would have said, no, look, you know, that's how it works sometimes. But that's not really how it works. I mean, that was, that's not, you know, so don't base your life on that. Uh, here's how it does work. That's the benefit of talking about it. I can be corrected in my five-year-old thinking about, oh, this is how money works. So this literally, that moment propelled me into profession for 30 years where other people decided how much I was worth. Oh, yeah. And if I was a good boy, I got paid. Now, other people could be bad boys. They got paid the same amount, right? Because it was years of experience, not whether you did a good job or a bad job or whatever. Mm-hmm. After the first eight years or so, you were vested in and they couldn't get rid of you if they wanted to. And so uh, that's how I lived my life. So when this guy had offered me on that day in November, the millions of dollars to live my rest of my life the way I wanted to, that was the coming true of that five-year-old right. thing. Hey, I'm a good boy, did the right thing. Here's, mm-hmm. you know, here's the cash. And it's like, it, it totally directed my entire professional life, uh, wow. except for the last 25 years or so. Mm-hmm. So that's the impact of not talking about it. And one of the problems is people don't know how to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Like, how, how do you talk about your kids about money? You, you don't want to screw them up. Um, but if you don't say something, there's a much more likelihood that they're, they're going to walk away with certain belief systems about money that will be the direction of their life. Yeah. So Can I tell you one story? Absolutely. Uh, about that? Uh, I was working with a lady who was, had a, had a um, 
two siblings or two, three siblings. She was a twin. Mm-hmm. And then there were two others who were younger. Her mother sat her down, the four of them down one day. She was three years old and said, I can't afford to keep you. So you're all going to go to an orphanage, right? Um, I think I'll keep the two um, that are not related because it'll be easier because a family won't adopt two people. So um, we're going to send you two first, the two twin girls. They were beautiful, blonde, you know, vivacious three-year-olds. And she walked out the door as a three-year-old saying to herself, if I'm going to make it, I'm going to have to. I, I, it's got to be me. And so at the time, she was a high-level Fortune 500 executive. Her life personally had been wreckage because she's got to take care of herself. She can't trust anyone. Her sister walked out the door, same situation, said, if I'm going to make it, I'm going to have to find someone to take care of me. No correction. So one becomes that, and the other one uh, ended up, uh, uh, her sister, I found out a few years later, ended up dead um, as an addict in one of the major cities and had been prostituting, right? Still trying to look for someone to take care of her. Right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so sometimes these are really tragic uh, stories, but that's exactly how it works. The no-talk rule is deadly uh, financially or can be, and it can be really inhibiting. Yeah, wow that that story really really reinforces that that to your point. But just the the damage or dysfunction could be dead, deadly. But if it doesn't go there, just the perpetual, I guess, struggles that people can have with money is when we avoid this conversation. Yeah. Um, so th- that that makes me think oh, a couple of things that you, uh, I want to point out. For for most part, when you see um, families, we all would whether we know it or not, is it safe to say that we all have a system, like a money system in our family, whether that's unconscious, we're unconsciously acting it out, or we can conscious, we're consciously aware of it, which is probably the uh, less, um, uh, less often the case. Yeah. Well, yeah, it, it, it's a, it's one of the only things in our culture that touches every aspect of life. Mm-hmm. Money in some way touches it. It's the only thing I know of. Mm-hmm. Other than air, mm-hmm. water, or it—it's it, it, weird. I mean, it's right. just like you know, like my my belonging needs, my connection needs, my self-esteem right. needs. It's like like money's always there, and, and we never talk about it. And um, there is a system. There is a monetary system within each family mm-hmm. because. It's a system. Mm-hmm. And if you, I don't know um, if you remember the first time you ever walked into your spouse's family, it's like you knew you were entering a system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and no one ever, no one sat down and said, here's our family system and how it works. I mean, it was, it was like you knew that it's like, <laughs> I want to figure out what's going on here. And your partner did the same thing, walked into your family system and and in the early days, we see things in those systems like, well, why does your father fall asleep right after dinner? Mm-hmm. Right? It's like he, he just gets tired, and you yeah. get the message. We don't talk about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember one time with my wife, uh, her father wanted me to help him put an air conditioner in, and so. Um, we were done with dinner, and I said, "Okay, I think I'll go do it." And everybody at the table was going, 
no, 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 no. And he was saying, no, no, not now, not now. And I'm thinking, it's going to get dark. I'll just go ahead and do it. His wife came out, my mother-in-law came out and just begged me, please don't do that. He'll have a fit. It's like, okay. (laughs) Okay. You know, I come from a system where if you need to get it done, you do it. There it's like, you don't do it until dad is ready for you to do it. So, okay, you know, and, and we, have, we have a money system like that, too. And if the two people coming together to form a family don't talk about those systems, there will be clashes. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll, we'll think it's about them. You know, they're stingy. They're a spendthrift. They're this. They're that. When really, we're just talking about two different systems and how money works. So the way money worked in my world was if you wanted, you got to save money. And you're wanting to borrow money? Uh, yeah, and uh, you know it's it's that kind of stuff, and we think we're fighting with each other. Actually, it's a clashing of the family systems we came from. Yeah, and that's I, I really like how you frame it that way because the other ways it's framed in the sense of oh they're wrong, they're wrong, I'm right. It's more confrontational. I know, for example, when um, my wife and I when we first started um, uh, combining money and sharing money, um, she she had a different, she came from a different system than me. My system was, we, we kind of worked for our own money. We were supported, but we, we worked for our money. We weren't really given too too many things, but we weren't deprived by any means. But, um, her right. system was, um, you know, they had two daughters, I had three boys, they had two daughters and, um, their parents really liked to support them. Neither good, neither was right. But, uh, one time she was sharing with me how she got her first car and, uh, they went to the car, car show and um, her her parents and her could not drive a standard, but there was a nice standard vehicle there. They no test drive, just bought it right off the lot and she got herself a, a car. And she's like, well, that's how I got my first car. I was like, oh, a little different than I did. And and when we <laughs> failed to talk about those, um, the differing systems, um, we, uh, yeah, there was clashes. I mean, we're human, we have emotions. And naturally I felt our brains going towards they're wrong, I'm right, which... I learned now that that's a, a, I guess, a a destructive perspective. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's, you know, I don't know where your children come in in that uh, timeline, but they come into the world watching that. Mm -hmm. There's this thing, this magical thing. Mm -hmm. When mom and dad talk about it, like, whoa, I mean, uh, or, you know, how does it work? You know, and, and uh, you walk past this little riding horse in the mall and, uh, uh, your son's reaching in your pocket going, ride, daddy, right. ride. And you go like, how did he, like, where did that come from, mm-hmm. right? Because dad says, we really don't have money to do that. He reaches in your pocket and finds the quarter. It's mm-hmm. like, where, where did he learn to reach in the pocket? Well, that's where grandpa walked through the mall. And right, grandpa, yeah. you know, and uh, another, this is, both these are true, this, both these are true stories. Another young woman, uh, a guy came to me going, oh my God, you know, something is really bad. Um, cause his daughter was asking for something. I think she was six or seven. And he said, look, sweetie, we don't have money for that. And she said, daddy, just go to the wall. <laughs> the wall. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I, that's what she had learned about money. If you want yeah. money, you just go Could to the be. wall. Yeah. And unfortunately we talk about it. Those two systems come in. There's a third system, which is how it works out there. Mm. And their rules are very different. Like you don't have the money, use ours. Mm-hmm. It's called it's called credit cards. It, you know, it's like you don't have to have money. We, 
And uh, then we wonder when people get in trouble. It's like, well, mm-hmm. you know, they yeah. don't know. I actually have a friend who is deep into uh, some of the major banking and credit things. And he said, it's stunning what people don't understand. Mm-hmm. They don't understand that minimum amount that you pay every month means you will never touch the principal. Yeah. And, you know, every time I hear that, my like the hair on my body stood up because I think system from a systems perspective, like from the macro perspective, banks have such a, I feel a strong responsibility. And I know we were talking about families, but now I'm thinking about this responsibility to not have, I feel like not to have that situation occur, but they know it does. And they'll probably call that person to increase the credit because they're making really good money. on. Well, and remember that's a system. Mm -hmm. And, and like when we enter a system, we become subject to their influence. Right. And Mm -hmm. so it's, it's important to, Understand, like, I'm, I'm, if I walk in, if you're my spouse or going to be, and I walk into your system, it's important I understand I'm not watching you. I'm watching a system in action. Mm-hmm. I'm watching you in the middle of a system. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, you know, obviously, we're talking about system. I think it's really important to understand that every, I, I, if, if you're my client, and even if I'm only talking to you, if I'm a financial planner and I'm talking to you, not cognizant, there's a, you, you aren't just you. There's a system. Either you have a partner or you come from a family. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have a group of friends who believe certain things about money. If I'm not, if I'm not conscious of that, uh, I will miss some really important cues. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I always suggest to people who do what you do is one of the first questions, one of the first things you need to know is, is this, do they come from a family of interdependency, which sounds like your wife did, like we all help each other out. Mm-hmm. And if uh, you need a dollar and I got one, I'll give it to you. And tomorrow, if I need one, somebody else will give it. That, that's mm-hmm. how the system works. Uh, if I come from one, it's like, well, wait a minute. You know, you're just enabling people. And, mm-hmm. you know, no, it's, it's about me. Um, mm-hmm. if, I don't under, if I don't understand that about you and I'm asking you to save $25 million before you spend anything so you mm-hmm. can live the rest of your life, it's not going to happen. If you mm-hmm. become, you know, because your mother won't talk to you, your father won't, like everybody's expecting you. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the professional athletes I've worked with, that was the deal that yeah. he was a, a, a top 10 draft pick. Uh, his family was sitting at home while he was at the draft thing, dividing up percentage wise, what his bonus was going to be. Wow. And when he announced to them, there's no, this is mine. They, it's been 20 years. They've not spoken to him since then. Oh yeah. I mean, so he lost his entire family for violating that rule. So I need to understand what kind of pressure you're experiencing when you walk into my office and you say, here's what I want to do because we can work with those. There are are creative ways to work with that Mm -hmm. Um, way that you can take care of yourself and your family and your, and your extended family, which is so you can feel good about everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's actually just so fascinating as you unpeel the layers of the system thinking and like, you know, just that last example is a client relationship. There's a system there now. So, Oh, we talked about that the, every family has a system, whether it's unconscious or conscious. And, and something that I've read is like every system is perfectly designed for the outcomes that it's producing. Right. Um, and and I, I think that that's relevant for this conversation is that we people could reflect on what is my financial money system for our family? Do we talk about money? How do I communicate with my spouse? Have I even 
took some time to understand their family system because I would assume, and you can uh, uh, tell me if this is true or not, or if there is some truth in it, but say someone's been together for 15 years and they've never actually talked about their prior family systems, they're probably still interplaying in some area and there's just some avoidance, stress, some anger that's actually probably sitting in those people. So I think at any time, it's good for a coupleship to have that conversation on what is their current day money system? Because then um, this is the part where I think it's you touched on what I would like to really focus on now is those systems are impacting our children as they watch, learn, and, and like you said, pull that quarter to go on the ride or not. And I think that goes to the power of the social learning. So could you just talk about how I, we, we touched a bit on, but maybe specifically on social learning and how our kids are just feeling everything around like I, I is it correct that they're feeling the emotions we feel around money um and so forth so yeah can you touch on the power of social learning through the lens yeah, of systems? you know um two aspects of we're, we're teaching them whether we do it consciously or not we're teaching them about money right so so one could say that's a social you know they're watching they're observing, um, they have interactions, right? Um, they're watching the value system of the parents, even though the parents, they don't sit down and say, these are our values. They're watching what they do with the money, what they don't do with the money. Um, when they actually see it, do they talk about it? Do they not talk about it? Does dad say things like, you know, uh, you know I, I wish your mother understood the value of a dollar. It's like, oh, okay. So women, you know, but, oh, yeah. I mean, it's just like all kinds of crazy stuff. So, so that environment is, is what happens. Um, also, I want to say the grandparents can be an incredible influence because uh, I, I've often said that to grandparents, what they what will be most valuable to children is our presence with a C, not with a T. Mm-hmm. Uh, that what they they learn. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, and you can see this, you grandparents walk up the door and the kids are looking for the present. Mm -hmm. They're missing the presence of the sea. So they're learning about that, right? Mm -hmm. Grandma loves, and then then grandma will go, here it is, but don't tell your mother because, you know, she doesn't want me doing this. I mean, so... It's like Pavel's dogs when they see the grandparents. It's like Albany dogs. Okay, so so there are secrets around money. So mm-hmm. now grandma would never suggest to the grandchild that she lied to her parents about something else, but it's just between you and I. Okay. <laughs> so, like, what are we, what are we teaching them? Or the mother who says to uh, the son and daughter, look, if I die, you need to get home within 24 hours. Cause this is where I've hidden the money from your father. Yeah. And I don't want him, I don't want him to have it. It's like, <laughs> I mean, these are all true stories. I'm telling you. Oh, uh, it's like, yeah. oh my, oh my, you know. And, and like, we all have them. And I, when I teach about this, I say, you know, um, Sean, um, how much money do you have in your pockets or in your wallet available? Like actual money that, like, how much, right? And it doesn't matter how much. Mine's going to be different, mm-hmm. right? And if I told you how much, you go, what? You don't have at least that much, or? You carry four thousand dollars with you mm-hmm. when you travel. You know, mm-hmm. how can you get by with just four thousand? I got to have ten, right? I mean, 
we all have our own weirdness around it. Like our own personal relationship yeah. is a bit of a, a system and, and uh, we try to figure out what's normal and what's not normal. And yeah, um, one of the exercises that you did in the class was fill in the blanks, like money means mm-hmm. credit is the relationship between God and money are. And I use that tool as a way to get families starting to talk to each other about their beliefs. When a family calls me in, that's one of the first things we do. We, it's a fun game kind of thing, and everybody laughs. And But they're beginning to see that within this group of five people, the differing, like, whoa, that's why. Okay. You know, mm-hmm. it's like you just believe something different. I thought you were just stubborn. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> or I thought you were just being oppositional. It's like, uh, and, and they begin talking about the very thing. Let's talk about the system. Let's, how did that mm-hmm. happen? And uh, when I'm talking with um, the people who want to leave a legacy, it's like, so uh, what, what, what are the values you want? You know, it's, you're going to leave them money. But I've always found that they're more than leaving them money. They want to impose or, or share a value system of generosity and fairness and, you know, this and that, the other thing. And it's like, so how do we do that? Because basically they haven't been watching that. Yeah, they they don't know that you've given away X amount of money, right? Uh, because you guys don't talk about that. Yeah, and so so uh, yeah, I don't know if I answered your question. Yeah, but that's sort of the idea. Well, you know, it's just so fascinating that you go into the bookstore around money, and you can find any book on making money, optimizing your portfolio to get the best return. But it seems just through the last conversation there that some of the biggest I guess influences we can have on our money health is talking about it, <laughs> just talking about it. Yeah. And like, absolutely. And, 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 um, you know, it isn't like talking about it and having all the answers. It's like, mm-hmm. because the, the world of money is constantly changing. Right. Mm-hmm. And we're all a step or two behind whoever, whatever is creating all this, you know, like uh, Bitcoin, like 10 mm-hmm. years ago, it's like, mm-hmm. Like, what's that? Mm-hmm. You know, whatever it is, it's not good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, you know, it, 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 so to to help them understand that it's an expanding thing too. It's not this fixed thing, right? Mm-hmm. But we can have these values. And one of the things that um, my daughter did really early, um, when kids start knowing about money, or my grandchildren started knowing about money, she goes, okay, a portion of it you're going to save portion of it you're going to give away and a portion of it you can spend mm-hmm. you decide how you want to save it you decide where you want to give it so they started working in the soup kitchen making sandwiches right so they would buy the bread and the meat then they would go to the place and help them put together sandwiches right and um, then they could spend the rest of it and my 14 uh, year old granddaughter she was 13 at the time for Christmas, asked my son to open her up for 401k. Mm. Wow. 13 years old. Like wow. That's what she wanted for Christmas. Right? And that's something Brad has done. He's reaching a population of kids with real news on TikTok. Yeah. He's a, he's a TikTok yeah. sensation and, now. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and it's about, that's where she learned, oh, mm-hmm. this is how you accumulate wealth, right? Mm-hmm. Like, okay, right? At mm-hmm. 13. And part of that's because she's been she's been a part of how things go. And and her mother has been teaching her 
her mother's values, which is you give some away, you save some, and mm-hmm. you, know, you get to spend some. Right? So this this brings me to a point where our, our, exactly what you're talking about in terms I've seen people question this all the time and even try things. So like, for example, your, your daughter had this really good method of splitting up the money and the, your granddaughter really took to that. I've seen other cases where particular one person I'm thinking in mind owns a business. Their, their child was around the same age, 12 and 13, got the child working in the business and made them log hours, actually did a little bit of work, started paying them and started teaching them about investing. And he was really excited telling me about this. And um, I also, I know the child and the child just seemed like, I don't know, I couldn't make the wrong assumption, but he wasn't so engaged. And I think like where my question is going is like his intent was really good, but I don't know if his impact is being good. So as parents, how do we navigate? Is it creating a, a, an environment to learn about money? Or, so my question is, how do we become, how do we talk about money, but also avoid being too rigid and enforcing certain values that we have that might not resonate with the kids? Well, I, I think we can keep the values, but to understand that um, we all have a special DNA, right? And what motivates me wouldn't motivate you at all. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Bobby Knight uh, has a history, but uh, at one point in time, I was a basketball coach, and he told me something I'll never forget. He said, there's nothing any more unequal than the equal treatment of unequals. Mm-hmm. Right? And really what he was saying is, uh, I don't care if you have a basketball team of quintuplets, right? They all, they're all different. And so the parental units would go, okay, what, what is motivating this child? And, and then move it, move the discussion in that direction as opposed to making them move in the direction that happened to be dads and moms and maybe even grandpas. Uh, like like every, every kid cares about something. Mm-hmm. So how can, we, how can we overlay where money fits into that something that might inspire them or promote them? Uh, I was just talking with somebody um, you know, in, in writing the book, we were talking the other day about this this woman um, who sold out in her equities just before they started rising. And the conversation was, how do we get her back in? And the conversation is, maybe equities are not for her. There are other ways to invest money. Mm-hmm. Right? And and you would have thought that people had just said, the Pope is not Catholic. <laughs> right? It's like, what do, what do you mean? That people are not, in, I mean... Like the, I mean, the system got caught up in the boom, 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 bond stocks, da da da. That's yeah. the portfolio, that, that kind of thing, without without understanding. And then really, uh, the person talked about how they had lost this client, right? And what could they have done differently to get her? And it's like, have you ever thought that maybe saying, you know what, it, it's too scary, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> how about we invest in something, a little real estate or whatever, that kind of thing. Um, because it's tangible, you can see it, you can smell it, you know, maybe mm-hmm. you can even live in it, uh, you know, that kind of thing. So it, I would say the same thing be true about kids. Uh, every part of a system will respond to what it responds to, and it's seldom the very same thing. Mm-hmm. And the more we can understand that, uh, the less we're going to be trying to force a square peg into right. a round hole. 
And you know, your, your comment around the grandparents, I guess, is very applicable to the parents here. The more presence we are with our kids, we'll understand what motivates them. We'll be able to adapt this conversation of money towards something that's interesting to them so that they actually right. can engage. And that's what a good coach and a good teacher does is uh, like going back to the Bobby Knight reference. For some people, you yell at them. Like, For others, you just, you he, just he's say the guy silent. He's the guy who throws chairs all over the sidelines, right? Yeah. How, yeah, okay. yeah, he did that once. He, he, uh, oh, what, said, once? You know, okay. When he retired, he was going to go into the furniture business. Uh, uh, if you bought a couch, you'd throw in a chair. I mean, that was just, <laughs> yeah. um, so communication, we talked about, is really important introducing into the family systems around money. You talked about five years old was the age where our children are listening, watching, and feeling how we react around money. Is there an appropriate age to start talking about money to our kids? Like if they're already listening and watching us at five, is there, um, is there, maybe can you touch on what is the appropriate conversations that we can have? And then can you go into what is the, what are examples of not appropriate conversations? So kind of like the financial enmeshment that we learned in the course. Yeah. Well, I would say that they're listening and watching well before the age of five. Right. And the way early on, the way, I would teach my child about money is conversations I would have with mom mm. or other people like, uh, like they're learning from what I do, from what I say, what I don't say, what I do. So they're learning right from the beginning. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, when it comes time to have the conversation, it's usually, I, I would say some of them are preemptory, right? Like, okay, so uh, it's time to, you start getting an allowance and here's what we need you to do with that. Boom, boom, boom. Right. You sort of set the standard. Um, quite often, it's when when they want to interact with money in some way. That's when the conversation occurs. Okay, so that's how this works, right? Um, I know you want that. Uh, you have enough money for just one of those things, um, and and then be okay in suffering the trials and tribulations of not being a good dad, and they hate you, and they throw a fit in the store. And, and all that kind of stuff, because that lesson that they learn is going to be a whole lot less painful than one 30 years later, mm-hmm. where, you know, that they, they spend money they don't have. Um, so it, it's sort of having those difficult moments, too. I would say mostly uh, it's show me, don't tell me, right? right. To demonstrate that you, you talk to the child's partner in a respectful way. Every week or every month, uh, there's a family uh, family meeting around money. I, I knew a family who literally did this. Um, what, there were four uh, people in the family, a little boy, a little girl, mom and dad. And every Friday night, they had someone over, right? And uh, I was invited by the little boy who was um, maybe in the third grade. Uh, he, because that I was who he wanted to invite over, right? I was a teacher mm-hmm. and he met me at the door and, you know, uh, uh, let me introduce you to my mom and dad, whatever. We sat down and we had hot dogs because they also determined the menu, right? Mm. And, and they involved them in, and, and uh, when it came time to purchase a car, they all met and say, what kind of car would you like? What kind of car? And they all went shopping together. And I'm thinking, you know, they're part of the system, like a real part, not just a, you know, you're a kid, what do you know, kind of thing, but to involve them in the system. So they began understanding the complicated formulas 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I know, but that car only has two seats and there are four of us. Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of, <laughs> with a convertible sports car, right? And, uh, uh, you know, it's, and mom wants this and dad wants that. And, and, and they, they make, com- uh, people call it a compromise. I call it combined promises, right? Mm-hmm. Which is a, feels different, right, than a compromise, because compromise sounds like somebody loses. But um, the term I like is a combined promise. Here's here's my, here's, I'm putting my hand in here, you're putting your hand in there, we all have that. Okay, you know, we did this. And the truth, you learn the truth, like you can't have everything you want. Uh, sometimes things cost more than you want. Um, I know that another thing that um, we know in the financial psychology world is, uh, the more real you can make saving for the future, the more likely it's going to happen. So, you know, my again, my daughter, they want to go someplace warm in the winter because they live in Chicago, and so they painted this palm tree on the, you know, in paint on the refrigerator. And each time they go order out a pizza, another twenty dollars towards the thing, right? And like, you know, those are all kinds of lessons being learned there. Uh, Dad wants a new car. And he lets everybody know and says, well, you know, in a, in a couple of years, I could do that because we're saving this amount to get mm-hmm. that as opposed to suddenly dad has a new car. Like mm-hmm. it came out of the wall, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, I really like how you said, like, basically, don't tell me, show me type. Uh, yes. And, yeah. I, I, and, and the, you know, the hard part is we have to know ourselves. Yeah, yeah. I was going to think that too. Is like, if I don't know my money system or my money story, yeah. I might then just be like projecting on them. Absolutely. Which could be harmful. Unconsciously, we're projecting a story onto them mm-hmm. and we wonder how they end up that way. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. You know, I, I can't tell you how many times somebody goes, you know, these, these kids don't know the real meaning of money. And it's like, they don't need to. You're, you're their bank mm-hmm. and they never have to pay you back. I mean, mm-hmm. they understand the system perfectly. Mm-hmm. They're operating in the system mm-hmm. and, you know, can you help my kids? It's like, well, you know, actually, if you change your behavior, your yeah. kids' behavior would change. Right? And I think that, like, I guess, on top of all this conversation, it's um, understanding our own money stories. And uh, in my episode with Brad, we really dove into those money stories. And I think that would be arguably critical if we want to raise, I guess, thriving children with money. Yeah. If, uh, the healthiest way to do it is to become healthier. So that's mm-hmm. quantum physics tells us that that what what we have on the inside is what gets projected to the right. outside. Yeah. I, I, here's a and I mm-hmm. one thing I want to say is we'll never be perfect. You know, when my right. wife and I talk, one word she cannot use is cash flow. <laughs> it just drives me nuts. Right. That that's my own unique DNA thing. Like oh, you know, I just go away. She mentioned cash flow. That means we don't have enough money. Mm-hmm. I mean, no matter what she tells me. So yeah. it's understanding our weirdness around money also. Mm-hmm. And, and accepting that going, okay, that's mm-hmm. Uncle Fred. He likes to put ketchup in his chicken soup. Okay. Yeah. That's just Uncle Fred. Just, yeah. Right? And I, I think an important distinction there is that you said our weirdness, accepting our weirdness and not always thinking that it's somebody else. Like, Hey, right. I, I'm 50% or a hundred percent responsible for my 50% of 
whatever relationship I'm in. And I think um, another thing, and I'm just looking at time, so I want to be mindful of our time, but something that I really also took away from your course, and I, I see you do further work on it, but you're exquisite listening. And I know you have a lot of workshops on listening. Um, actually, a prior student, Derek Hagen, I don't know if you recall him, but he really yeah. spoke highly of your your course. So I really yeah. took that away from you is just the, the power of listening. Yeah. And, yeah, the um, and there's an incredible book called Compassionomics. And the most powerful thing for any business is to insert and infuse the business with compassion, which is made up of two things: uh, empathy and listening. Because the the, the empathy is I understand what you're saying and listening is the act. So compassion is empathy with action. Mm. And uh, the action that they found most valuable was the ability to listen. And, you know, in my work, um, 90% of what goes on in our world is the exact opposite of listening. Just being quiet until you shut up isn't really listening. If I'm rehearsing what I'm going to say, I'm not listening to you, right? Uh, so uh, yeah, it's so interesting how how many times that that's what people we feel is like. I I sat silent the whole time. I listened to you, <laughs> but now I'm yeah. Yeah, I listened to you, but I wasn't hearing you. I, uh, yeah, so. <laughs> and and the interesting thing, and to bring this back, like why I think your guys' work is so fascinating is that with money, we just we want to be heard. We want to be we want to feel like we matter, and our, our opinion sort our opinion matters, and when we look at those family systems, if we just listen to us, whomever yeah. in our family system. Yeah. I guess the win. other thing I want to say is you were talking about all those books that are written about how to collect money. Yeah. And, and you know, that is supposedly answering the question that nobody asks. So what do we think money can do for us? Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't think there's a, uh, somebody talked about buyer's regret. Somebody was interviewing me about that. And I said, I think that's a symptom. I think the problem is what we think money can do for us. Mm -hmm. And I, I think on that third system that we imposed on us is that money is the magic answer. Mm -hmm. You get enough of it and everything will be okay. Influenced by heavy, heavy marketing and manipulation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, another thing uh, in the last um, couple of, sections of the course, I've had some students write their final paper on how many pure savings messages over a period of time. I did that one with you guys. Yeah. And uh, I think there's like less than one tenth of 1%. It, <laughs> so, you know, we're not taught to do the right thing by money no. from the outside world either. So, No, I, I, I feel like I could talk to you all day. Um, I want to be mindful of our time. I, I have so many other things I want to talk to you, but we're already at our hour. Okay. Um, I have two questions that I always like to uh, finish our conversation. Is there a book that uh, one of your books that you would um, recommend based on our conversation? I don't know if there's any, uh, I've read your books around systems per se, but what, based on our conversation, which book of, of yours would you recommend that the audience should, uh, should listen well, you know, um, my favorite is the first one, The Financial Wisdom of Ebenezer Scrooge. Mm. It sort of gives the basic principles um, of it. And, um, 
you know, I, I think then I would jump to the latest because it really represents the latest evolution of thinking around it all. But they're little nuggets all the way through. Um, and, you know, by the time you've written the seventh one, you're not really sure what you said in any of them. Yeah. You know, because you're, you're working on the eighth, right? Yeah. And, uh, and the whole idea for us is not, you know, if you've written books, you know this, you don't make money at it. But it's about uh, hoping to change the legacy of the next generation or two or three uh, so that um, people have a different relationship with money. Oh, well, you guys are... Definitely, definitely doing that. And uh, I, I mean, I speak from experience, totally have changed my whole philosophy on money and relationship cool. with money. So I really, I'm grateful for the the work that you guys continuously do. So many resources that are on your guys' websites. The books are just fantastic. My last question, you will recognize it because you got us to write a paper on it. But uh, <laughs> I, I really like it. And it, it's kind of in line with what you just said about the books. But it's about writing that letter to your descendants. And um, so I, I've kind of changed a little bit of the question, but it's from your guys' work. But if you had to write a letter to your descendants about um, money and our relationships with money, what would be the key or the main points you would like to deliver? I would say that um, I would tell them that um, there's some important questions that they'll need to answer for themselves in terms of relationship. And that would be a relationship with the universe in terms of how, how did this come to be and what's my place in it, that that's going to be a really important quest. And the second one would be what is money and what do I need to know about that? Mm -hmm. Great. Wonderful. Well, I'm glad we recorded that answer. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. It's an absolute pleasure. And I, I, I know I said it a few times, but I mean it. Your guys' work has dramatically changed uh, my relationship with money. And I, I couldn't be more thankful for the work that you guys are doing. And uh, look forward to the next book coming out and following yeah. yourself more and more. And uh, once this COVID gets under control, I, I think I showed my wife that uh, they, your, your workshops on listening, I think that's something that we're going to have to partake in. Yeah, well, we're doing one in Kauai and one in Ireland. And uh, Sean, I, I want to credit you too, because in your own way, you're doing the very you're you're passing it on. And uh, there's and I know it's not easy, and I know it's a, but it's something that I have a sense that you have a real passion for. So thank you for doing that. Well, I appreciate that, and uh, yeah, I can't urge everybody enough to run out and get the books. Uh, Money Mammoth just came out, and yeah, just been a great pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time. I know you're you're busy, but uh, I enjoyed it. Thank you for tuning into the show this week. I hope you're enjoying these conversations as much as I am. If you could head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review, it would really help as it helps secure great guests like Dr. Ted Klontz. Until next time, have a great day.